Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ready? Play. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning, whatever time it is in the world, wherever you are tuning in from, where Will is tuning in from, it is uh, mid-afternoon. How are you doing, Will? Doing good. Been a busy week, catching up on uh, Breakpoint, which I know we're going to discuss here, and um, finishing up a few projects so I can watch a lot of grass court tennis over the next two weeks. Indeed, Will. Um, <laughs> Will, what do you think about, let's begin with this, what do you think about the timing of the release of these episodes because we had one I think just on the eve of the Australian Open now mm. we've had another one sandwiched between the French Open and Wimbledon mm-hmm. I know how I feel about that but I'm just thinking about me okay yeah and I'd rather it was released at a different time but do you think it makes sense to release it at these times I think it's smart because the only times that the average uh, sports fan, you know, not not a diehard tennis fan, can actually watch tennis, which means, especially in the U.S. anyways, I guess um, you can let me know what you think as far as Europe goes. Um, the average, like, sports fan does not watch Tennis Channel. They're just not going to. So it has to be ESPN. And that is the Australian Open. That is Wimbledon. That is the U.S. Open. So... Those are the only times that the average sports fan can watch tennis. So it makes sense to release it on Netflix because when you log into your Netflix account, it's a trending show. And then somebody uh, you know who's never watched tennis just clicks on it, watches it, gets into it. Then a week later, they see it on ESPN and they're like, oh, I saw that guy on Netflix. Now I'm going to watch. Versus if it was three months later, they flip on ESPN. Maybe they forgot Tiafo's name or forgot about his story or something like that. So I think it's smart. I think it's a, a good idea. 
um, as sure. far as the U.S. perspective. But what do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think I'm just thinking about it from my perspective, whether I'm European yeah. or otherwise. I would rather it was during the off-season, but I, I think you make some excellent points. And I reckon Netflix have a big enough capability and, and also the, the guys that make uh, a break point that they probably know what they're doing and they they figured it out with their with their t focus groups and and surveys yeah. and stuff that they know what they're doing i'm just saying from my point of view as a hardened tennis fan i yeah. I, I don't think they're aiming for me and that makes sense like this is not actually right. a criticism here but it's just that you know there's probably lulls in the calendar i.e just after the australian open or mm -hmm. november december time those are the probably periods or even just after the u.s open there's probably about three or four periods in the year when I, John, would rather yeah. have it on. Yeah. But I, I, I recognize that they have other words. But do you see where I'm coming from, though? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I agree with you. Um, ultimately, I, I think we what we should both want is what's best for the sport. And that means, um, I think, you know, releasing them uh, at these times before that the tournaments are going to have a large viewership. Um, because, yeah, we're, we're not the target, I don't think. No. So. <laughs> Well, on that Anyways. point, okay, I know um, you, you know, you and I discussed the first season about six months ago, and obviously now we've just uh, had the second season. Uh, I have seen all bar 10 minutes of the second season. I've got the final episode on my screen right now, but I've basically okay. seen all the second season. I think you're still missing the last episode. Am I right, Will? Correct. I've not watched the last one yet, but, uh, but which I'm excited about. Yeah. I think um, we've got you've got nine out of ten, if you like, from the episodes, and I've got mm -hmm. nine point eight out of ten. So I think we're in a pretty good decision to good place to discuss yeah. this. Uh, what my thoughts after the first season were sort of mm, some things right, some things wrong. I will elaborate a bit more, perhaps not so much on that, but the second season. I actually have similar feelings now about mm -hmm. the second season as well. I think you were a little bit more enthusiastic about the first season. Yeah. Broadly, is your is your enthusiasm increased in terms of what you think you saw? Do you think it's actually been a bit underwhelming, or, or where where are you at right now, Will, regarding the second season? I, I think my enthusiasm has decreased a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I keep kind of going back and forth on this. Like when I'm watching it, I'm watching it for two reasons. One, I, my own entertainment. I just want to you know get to know these players better and and um, these players that I watch play tennis and don't, I, I don't follow their personal lives to the extent that you can. I don't really follow it a whole lot. Um, like the, the curious off the court issues at Wimbledon when he was, um, I guess his ex-girlfriend had filed a lawsuit or something. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't read those stories cause I'm just not that interested in them. Uh, they're off the court stuff. So that's one reason I watched to just learn a little bit more about that and my own entertainment. And then also just to get a gauge for how is tennis doing as a whole um, in terms of marketing and how is this going to help tennis uh, potentially in the way that it did F1 or that it might with the, the golf series as well. Um, so those are the two angles I'm looking at it from. And for this season, the, the second half of this first season, yeah, I, I don't think they stepped up a whole lot um, in terms of, you know, when you compare the first five episodes to the last um, four that I've watched. Uh, and, and I think that 
the big or the important thing that they have to be able to do in the Serena episode, which we'll talk about, um, I think highlighted this for me, is they've got to create fans of individual players, right? Because they're not going to get someone to fall in love with tennis as a sport, I don't think, with these series. Um, but they can get someone to fall in love with Francis Tiafa, which I think they did the best job with him. Mm-hmm. Um, or they could get someone to fall in love with Nick Kyrgios and just become a Nick Kyrgios fan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what one thing they did do a good job of was showing how big Serena was, like mm-hmm. how much she transcended the sport. And she, you know, through her career brought so many people to the sport of tennis that would have never, never otherwise cared because they were Serena fans before they were tennis fans. So I was hoping they would dig more into and may, maybe like Curios and some of these other players, they just like don't want to reveal too much about their personal lives. I don't, I don't know, but I was hoping that they would be able to like paint that picture. I don't know, in a more compelling way, um, but maybe for non-tennis fans, it was, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I probably if, if I'm guessing here after the first season, you were kind of giving it a six and a half out of 10, something like that, seven out of 10. Yeah. I was probably yeah. a bit closer to the sort of five out of 10, slightly yeah. disappointed. I would say that um, I am still at around about that area. But I will yeah. say this, after episode six and seven, I was really going quite low and quite harsh. I was, I was, you know, I was making the thumbnail for this episode about three hours ago before I'd seen <laughs> episodes eight, nine, and, and now pretty much 10. Um, and I was ready to go for it. But I think it saved itself a bit. As you mentioned during the Serena uh, story, Tom Yanovich, of course, plays a huge role in that. I also mm. like the Annette Contevate pits as well. But anyway, and I also think Arena Sabalenka as well. But I'm getting ahead of ourselves in the episodes. Let's try and do this. I know you've only got half an hour or so, but um, let's try and just rewind, therefore, to episode six, Belonging. I will mm-hmm. share my thoughts on 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 this and uh, and also before you go as well, some broader thoughts on what I think they could have done a little bit better as well. But I was... Actually, I was on the, in this episode. Uh, I appear for about 10 seconds. Will, I don't know if you've, you've seen me. Oh, I didn't that. notice. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Don't worry. You'd have had to be I might pretty, have been looking away or something. You, 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 you blink and you miss it. But I was, um, uh, let's see if I can just, just very quickly share my screen here where I get my 10 seconds of, of fame. Yeah, um, we've got to see it. <laughs> this is my head. Can you see the screen, by the way? Yeah, I can. This is my head here, and they've described me as Man 3. I'm not going to press play just in case oh. uh, I get rid But I was at this press conference with Nick Kyrgios, and I simply said to him, because he's coming into the press conference, he's complained about the officials, he's complained about somebody who he describes as an old man. I think he said he was 90 years old. It mm-hmm. was This was after the first round, and what I didn't like, and it's probably because I have a, a, a personal interest in this, um, the media was painted because they showed his buddy, his pal, who's kind of with him throughout. They've they've mm-hmm. they've shown they've talked about his you know history with depression and how suicidal he felt uh, three or four years ago in 2019. Uh, and then mm-hmm. they showed the media as as though we're we're kind of hounding. We're not hounding him. 
We're mm-hmm. just because then they they show his buddy sort of shaking his head. They then show the vitriol of abuse that he gets on social media. But Nick actually highlights. He says, "Yeah, but the umpires they don't have to worry about the millions of pounds or the social media." Well, I think that doesn't mean you can abuse them. That doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't, just because they're not earning millions. That doesn't mean you have the right to abuse them. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I and I just asked him a very fair question. I said, "Do you have any sympathy for?" how they're treated sometimes. And so, and I wasn't the only person there in the press room. And, and I actually think yeah. Nick gets a very, as do probably all of the tennis players, including the controversial ones, including their controversial moments. I think the media, because we know we still have to tiptoe. We have to tiptoe over certain issues because, you know, we, especially if you're a beginner like me, you don't want to lose that press accreditation. And you know that if you upset Nick Kyrgios and he says, I don't want him in my press conferences. That's a pretty short argument. And Nick wins day in, day out, and I'm gone. Right. Um, yeah. So, and I think even some of the more established ones, we do tiptoe around this issue. And anyway, mm-hmm. so that's that's my thoughts on that. Uh, Nick Kyrgios as well, generally. Uh, the other thing was why Nick Kyrgios twice? I, I, I don't think he was the story of, of 2022 tennis-wise in that bigger way. So, yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've had my thoughts. Anyway, go on, Will. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think focusing on Curious twice actually was was smart because he's kind of the colorful guy who is going to generate a younger audience to the sport. Um, and he can potentially make for good TV. They showed, I think it was at the end of episode eight or nine, maybe at the US Open when he lost to, to Hatchinoff, um, him smashing his racket and stuff. And they didn't really highlight that that much. Like, they showed him throwing his racket in all nine episodes I've watched maybe a handful of times, but they didn't really dive into it a whole lot about how, I mean, they could have brought up how Nadal's never broken a racket and mm. uh, I don't know how, how it's, it's kind of a thing. Um, I, I guess it's not like surprising, but it's like, it gets news when a player smashes rackets like that. Right. Well, I think um, when you're there in the lines. arena, Sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but I want to say something um, um, or add something to what you're saying. Um, yeah. When you're in the arena, I think it is even more uncomfortable. Maybe on TV, maybe watching yeah. on Netflix, when you're watching it back on YouTube, it sort of may seem a bit fun and stuff. But, you know, I've seen it in the arena and it's a bit uncomfortable because yeah, it is a bit spoiled bratish, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. I mean, it's, yeah, it creates a different type of tension that you really don't. I, I'm not. I'm not sport, but... By the way, he also did something probably far worse in Indian Wells that didn't get mentioned during the during the first season as well. When he basically, um, I think he was. Did he? Did he hit a ball boy? Get close to hitting a ball boy or something? Um, but anyway, um, any other thoughts on belonging before we move on to the next episode? Um, no, I thought they did a good job of uh, demonstrating how kind of prestigious Wimbledon is. Um, I, I thought they, you know, that was fair. And and something I, I found with, with all of, with the entire season is it's, they, like you can't, every tournament can't be the biggest tournament of the year, right? There, there has to be one that's the biggest tournament of the year, but it does when they go from one grand slam to the next, it does seem like that's the biggest one when they like, they'll interview the players and they'll be like, Oh, Wimbledon's the pinnacle. And then they go to New York and they're like, New York under the lights. Like that's what you dream of as a kid. So they like they make each one and they really build it up um, and do a good job of that. Um, but uh, yeah, no other 
thoughts on episode six that, that come to mind? Saints and Sinner, I think, is the or Saints and Sinners, I think, is the the episode seven. Um, it's mm-hmm. got nothing to do with Yannick Sinner, I believe, which you might think of at the beginning there. But um, uh, so this really does, you know, also uh, have Wimbledon as well as as part of its theme. A uh, couple of things here that this is so you this is really by episode seven is when I was at my low point regarding the series. I was going to continue watching mm-hmm. it primarily for the purpose of this this episode, but. I, I may have been tempted to stop watching at this point and maybe return at another point, maybe after Wimbledon or, or maybe not at all. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of things I've noted from this episode. Well, first of all, I've not noted many things. Uh, that's the first sign. Second thing is Eager was out and there was no mention of it at Wimbledon. I just knew it happened uh, when yeah. she lost to Elise Cornet. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, it does, and I was also getting frustrated with the fact that Eager had barely been mentioned and we were at the end of July and she'd been unbeaten for 35, 40 matches or whatever and she'd been dominating yeah. before. And the, I know they come to it towards the end, which is perhaps why I softened my, my approach. Another thing yeah. as well, Wimbledon, Serena Williams, nothing. Nothing yeah. on, on her, um, you know, her departure from the, from the tournament, but also... It was getting closer now to looking like the end for her. I was at her press conference at Wimbledon after she lost, uh, which was just packed, you know, probably even more than a, probably as much or if not more than any other press conference there, including Rafa Nadal, including Novak, including Kyrgios, where there's obviously a bit more buzz as well with their their press conferences. So Mm -hmm. by the end of episode seven, I actually think I probably wouldn't have watched any more, certainly until after Wimbledon. I don't know what you were thinking at this point. Yeah, um... Yeah, they covered Jabour again as well, uh, and they briefly mentioned. So Curious makes the run; he, uh, he gets a default in the semis. Um, yeah, and they briefly mentioned his his scandal, but they didn't really dive into it a whole lot. Which maybe that's by design. I don't know. Um, but I think I mentioned on our our last call back in uh, January or February. Where like the the thing that the F one series does so well, and and golf did a good job of it as well. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the golf one, but uh, anyways, it, is they create tension within each episode, and that's something the tennis ones haven't been able to do a whole lot. You know, they they create they create um, where you're like rooting for one side or another. You're rooting for Hamilton or Verstappen. You know, um, so. But there isn't much of that in tennis right now. I mean, maybe Rafa Novak with the fans. There's not, but they they've got to find a way to create that. Um, and Kyrgios is a very polarizing uh, player. Who I think if they're going to create it with anyone, it could be him. Um, so I I don't know if it's that, you know I'm not trained in PR. I don't know like how this stuff works. So I'll put that disclaimer out there. Um, but diving a little more into that scandal could have done that, you know, it could have been like, they could have showed here are the accusations. Here's curious side of the story and left the viewer to like, kind of decide for themselves, like, oh, this guy's getting screwed. She just sees all his bunny or like, um, this guy's a bad dude. Like we should not, you know, and they could have like created some of that tension. I, I don't know. I, I um, also think that will, I think. Again, this is even uh, an, a, a beast such as Netflix. Uh, probably, you know, if, if, if Nick is going to give him such good access and he probably is one of the players that says, yeah, come to my house, no problem, as, as he did yeah, in, in, in Melbourne. 
that they are also gonna I, I would imagine that Nick will watch that these episodes yeah. and, and be, yep, I'm pretty happy with that. Um yeah. and get a season two, yeah. Right. So so I just think that there may good be a point. bit of that at play as well. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Can we Anyways, to- yeah. Can we get to New York, by the way? Because I do think this is where my interest went up a little bit. Um, yeah, let's do I, that. I don't, I don't I, think there was a whole lot else with Wimbledon. Um, no, I mean, you go like, Ons was good, and there is some other good stuff and some good storylines. Yeah. But I, when you mentioned the tension, by the way, I wasn't quite sure whether you meant between players or between fans or even just the tension of, of certain matches. Um, because, you know, when you mentioned Formula One, when you mentioned golf and, and then also tennis, and I know a lot of sports are like this, but you are kind of millimeters from, you know, greatness and millimeters from failure. Um, mm-hmm. Even even football really doesn't very often happen. It does. It might happen in a, in a, in a season or it might happen every five years where, or, it, you know, in, in English Premier League history or English top flight history, I think there's only been two occasions in 150 years when the when it's gone down to the last couple of minutes of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I, I quite liked a narrative where there was a, a match between Manchester City and Liverpool a few years ago and it was just a few millimetres from going over the line. But actually, this happens you know, quite often in tennis and I'm sure it happens in golf and also Formula One where the margins are so fine. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the, if the makers, uh, be, the people behind it, Maybe they were Formula One fans anyway. Maybe they 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 knew a little bit more about the sport going into Formula One and making that documentary. Then then afterwards they're like, "Well, you've done an amazing job. Can you do something similar for tennis?" Well, yeah, we're filmmakers. I'm sure we could. And and they've maybe even I don't know. I'm just speculating. Maybe they've learned on the job as well. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. I mean, I think part of it um, that I discussed last time is Formula One just kind of lends itself to this. Maybe, sort of documentary yeah. anyways like it's at the end of <clears throat> excuse me at the end of almost like every race three or four years ago Verstappen and Hamilton were one two right so it's like like if we had it? Nadal and Djokovic at the finals of every tournament like yeah they could make a series about that but they play yeah. each other like three times a year so it's like it's a little bit more difficult um and something else I noticed is like a lot of especially at the U.S. Open a lot of the time they were showing the matches and then that scoreboard flashes up and it's like set one, seven, six or whatever. And they're not even showing the points. A lot of the time they're showing somebody hitting in slow motion with a commentator uh, in the background talking about it. And like, they don't even show the actual tennis for a lot of it, um, which I found I also interesting, disappointing, surprising. I don't know. <laughs> I also find their scoreboarding 
a little confusing because I'm looking at it and I'm looking it at is. the bigger number and the smaller number and, and I've never seen it written like that in my entire life. And so actually yeah. I'm seeing it flick over and I'm thinking, oh, he's two sets to one up. No, no, it's, is that two games to one? And, and I even know the match they're talking about. So I think yeah. that they've got to fix that and really should should have had that. I mean, the way you normally see it on the screen with one player above the other, maybe, but whatever. I, I've seen it in other documentaries and films and stuff where it's quite clear. Um, yeah. But I don't think they do a good job there, uh, that's for sure. But I think you're right about, about points. I mean, this, the series is called Break Point, right? And yet they yeah. don't really talk about points. I mean, we've got Fairy Tale in New York now as episode eight. And like I said, I do think it does rescue itself a bit in episodes eight and nine. And I love to yeah. write some of the panoramic stuff they do in New York. And I, I get a real sense of the of the city and the and the size of the occasion as well, especially as yeah. they did a really good job with Francis Tiafo, I think. And Tiafo, of course, being one of the biggest characters. I loved as well, even just a few snippets from Taylor Fritz at the beginning. You you can't, you know, as a big tennis fan, I, I kind of forgot about how disastrous the US Open was for him going out in round one and and mm-hmm. getting some snippets from him about the pressure and the expectation, which funny enough, he told me in a press conference at Wimbledon last year in that he actually feels more pressure when he's the overwhelming favorite. Well, he backed that up by his performance in the US Open. Yeah. Um, I also liked, I also really liked, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking, but it's also, you know, you know, good. And I'm sure Annette Contivate was more than happy to share these, these images, of course. Uh, you know, the, the angle that they went for with the Serena narrative as well they got they also got the opponents angling including contivate who was not mm-hmm. really a major part of the series it's a bit different with tom Yanovich, but with with mm-hmm. contivate they you really felt for her and how you know you, you saw the crowd cheering her faulting and, and double faulting and she was I, i'm not having a go at the crowd here but i just like the fact yeah. that you got to see annette contivate and her yeah. horrible side of, it, of the story if you like it was good. I, I'm curious if somebody was watching it who doesn't know tennis as well, um, their perspective on that, because I I could see, like you and I know how big of a deal that is for the crowd to be cheering like that, but somebody who ha- doesn't follow the sport, you know, maybe they're a basketball fan and like, yeah, I always cheer uh, like really loud and yell at the opposing team when they're shooting free throws. Like in tennis, that's not really a thing. You don't cheer for double faults. And people uh, who don't know the sport may not know that. Um, so I think they could have maybe done a better job of illustrating that. Or I don't know. I'm curious to to hear what, what somebody would think. Yeah. But I, I say, I think it did pick up. And, and I think there's one or two people in the chat that are agreeing with me. Eight and nine is yeah. where, where the series was saved. What else have I got here regarding that episode? Yeah. Um, they did a uh, great job with Tiafo. I, I thought they did. I, they I did. mentioned that at the beginning and like going through his story, going back to the club, getting yeah. um uh his whole family uh at dinner. Um yeah, they did a great job with him. Like that reminded yeah, me the of family dinner was great, I agree. Yeah, like I knew his story, but that as I was watching that episode, I was thinking like about you know, the US has been waiting for the this like a top American male player for, for a long time, which they, they touched on. And like, it could be Fritz, but Tiafo would be better. Like he would get more fans with his story, um, with his background. Like he is, I, I think it was Muradoglu who said like, he is the American dream or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's um, a good line. Yeah. And, and yeah, like they did a really good job of covering that. Um, I couldn't remember 
So when he beat Nadal, did Nadal not have an injury during that match? Yeah, basically, Nadal, as, as, as Tony told me in an interview uh, earlier this year, said his body went down after Wimbledon. And he picked up, he, he had his abdominal injury at Wimbledon. He then basically rushed back for uh, Cincinnati and then the US Open. I think the, it flared up again before the US Open. We didn't know it publicly, but his service speeds were down, blah, 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 blah. That's not okay. to take anything away from Tiafo, who was sensational, not just that night in New York, but throughout the tournament. Okay. And may well have beaten Rafa anyway. But let's just say he was an off-color Rafa. Yeah, yeah, they didn't mention that. I, I thought he had gotten hurt during the match, but I guess it was just not really. No, there was another one yeah. before that okay. when he smashed his nose with a racket. I don't know if you saw that. At all. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. happened, but that wasn't necessarily one of the biggest storylines. That not just last year, but also at the US Open. I, I do right. think that they could have done a bit more with Serena Williams's last ever game, which I th think had about eight juices. She saved about six match points. Oh, and that's right. It was just an epic game and an epic way for her to end her career even if it wasn't yeah. in the success that she wanted uh, i don't think they did that justice and i know they've got a time frame i get that i get that they've uh -huh. got you know 45 60 minutes per episode but trust me there are stuff that they could drop um yeah certainly for the expense of, of that uh with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah. Episode 9 uh, is, is, is sort of, again, a bit more of a Tiafo story because it kind of finishes episode eight kind of halfway through the US Open uh, and mm -hmm. then rejoins it, if you like, which is which is fine. Uh, Under Pressure is episode nine. Um, it was at this point that I did make a quick note of Novak Djokovic, uh, bearing in mind that they just touched on the whole Australian Open thing and his non-entry. It did get a brief mention. I still think they could have done a lot more with that regarding um, because that was a moment when tennis was in the news, if you like, and that would be a great way yeah. to refresh this. But don't forget, there was still a six to eight week story about will he, won't he be allowed in the US Open. And mm -hmm. maybe some people probably didn't know that quite so much. That wasn't such a well-documented story compared to Australia. So maybe mm -hmm. they could even, even if they just did a bit, of, you know how they do this sort of commentary over the top as the players are walking into the, you know, they're checking their mm -hmm. bags in, they're having their badges checked. You know, just one of these commentaries, of course. And of course, uh, you know, Rafa Nadal is going for a world record, you know, 23 grand slams. And he might well do it uh, given the fact that he's the favorite because Novak Djokovic isn't here. Just yeah. those two lines as, you know, this emotional pictures as they huh. walk in with their badges and say good morning to everyone, you know. You know, John, I, th I think you might be right that the, you know, they, they came out with F1 first, right? Like five, six, seven years ago. I think you might be right that they're just not really like maybe the producers just aren't really tennis fans and like they don't follow some of these storylines because to not mention Novak not being playing in the US Open seems like insane to me. Um, it doesn't have to be the whole episode, but just like drop the line at the beginning of the episode or something. Mention it. I, I would and do then, that just a voiceover thing, you know. And then another thing they didn't cover. Um, they showed Curious smashing his racket after he lost to Kachanov. Uh, they didn't cover how big of a favorite Curious was at that point because mm. he made the finals of Wimbledon. He won 
like what did he win atlanta or dc or something he won a few tournaments after DC, that he was certainly he, he was made, certainly on a good roll and he was, he was on a good role in that tournament beat medvedev role. in a really good match yeah he was on a roll and everyone not everyone a lot of people i would say the majority of people at that point in the tournament were picking him to win the tournament mm -hmm. because djokovic was out alcaraz was good but young um and he was in the best form and like the loss to Kachanov was kind of a, a pretty big shock for most people. And they didn't really mention it. Maybe um, again, that pan. I don't know. This is me just going probably. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're just panning to Nick again and they don't want to, you know, say, you know, this maybe is a so. Yeah. So, yeah. That anyway. Could be, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I've just written for this episode as well. Tiafo gets a big tick both for him and also the, the story. Yeah. I, just, I like it's the bit great. when Iga does reel off her titles. I thought that was quite a, a good question. Just tell us the titles you've won. And she says, you can look it up on Wikipedia. Go on. And then she reels them off, you know, six, seven, eight titles that she'd won she that year. Then. She is funny. Yeah. Um, and she also mentions in the final how she manages to keep her focus. I quite like some of that stuff with her team and particularly yeah. Daria Abramovich, who's on her team as well, you know, the mental side of things. And she mentions how she does get distracted at one point because she sees Matthew Perry on the big screen. Yeah, that was uh, and she's a big <laughs> friends fan. So yeah, but one more little negative. Uh, well, no, let's give it one more positive. I like the exchange between Francis Tiafo and Carlos after their pretty oh, epic final as well. It but was. there's also there's also two matches that they just completely miss. One, Yannick Sinner against Sinner, Alcaraz. In Alcaraz, yeah. I think that was like the match of the year. Absolutely, <laughs> and I think you can. I know this is aimed at non-tennis fans, but we mustn't forget that there is a tennis match going on as well as relationships and breaking yeah. down and smashed rackets and all the rest of it. I think we mustn't get away because actually, as much as they might be, in, people might be enjoying the drama. If they don't actually like the sport or understand the sport at all, then they're still not probably going to get into it. And yeah. I think you can you can watch some of the shots in that match, and you can be a, a tennis connoisseur like us, or you can never have seen the sport before and still find it breathtaking. Yeah. Um, and another match that they missed, the men's US Open final. As far as I'm concerned, there was a <laughs> women's final, but nobody lifted the the men's trophy. They got to the semifinals, and and maybe even just somewhere in my mind, if I'm not a fan, I might think that the final was between. Alcaraz and, and Tiafo. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is weird. I, I didn't even r realize that they missed that because I... Yeah, just skipped it. As soon as it's finished, I, I couldn't yeah, even right. the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> I, I, won't fooled, go to, fooled me. I won't go into too much detail with you about the last episode. One, because you haven't seen it. And two, I know you have to leave. So just before you do leave, and, and I'll, stay, I'll stay live with the audience a bit longer because I can talk about the last episode. Uh, any final thoughts before I let you go, Will? Um two things one uh just to comment on ego again i knew that you know it, it was publicly known that she she's had this mental coach for a while um i thought the like filming of that and the interviewing um or filming like interactions between her and her coach was really cool uh it kind of highlighted you know when you watch her and then you watch like at least the way they portrayed it, you watch her and then you watch Tom, Tom Lanovich. Um, it highlighted the difference between like number one and number like 30 mm. or 40 in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Like mm -hmm. she is every single, at least the way the documentary portrays it, every single thing about her day is structured around performing better in tennis, you know, 
and she's got their physio, her mental coach, her actual tennis coach, her mm -hmm. team, like her meals, like all of it. And then they show Tomjanovic and she's like heading to the coffee shop with her friends, right? Socializing. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, to be honest with you, if I was like a top hundred player, I'd probably be more like Tomjanovic. Um, Cause it, yeah, looks me fun. Too. it looks, looks more fun to me. Um, yeah. But it did give me a little bit like an extra level of respect. I, I kind of knew that she had sort of that um, extra effort behind the scenes uh, beforehand, but they did a good job of showing that. Um, and then last thing, yeah, I haven't watched episode 10. I'm excited for it because I was in the, or I was uh, at the WTA finals in Fort Worth. So I, I imagine I get uh, some airtime in the background in the stands or something, but mm -hmm. um, I'm excited to see that as well. So um, you, yeah, you should be there. There's one or two little gems that I'll I'll mention um, when when you've gone basically. Um, but no, I agree with you about the eager thing. I uh, I really liked. I mean, mm -hmm. somebody's mentioned Alia's dad in in the in the comment in the commentary in the in the chat, and um, yeah, I don't know whether whether that uh, what to think about that relationship in a way. But but um, uh, with eager though, I liked what her coach said. We're not tourists. We're here to win titles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yep. uh, yeah, and and also it, maybe it helps that she's not really. A, she says I'm not a big social, you know, bunny. I'm not really a fan of New York, and you know she sees herself in Times Square. But I, like like anyway, regarding the series itself, there was some pretty good stuff I would say in episode eight and nine, uh, mm -hmm. a little bit in episode ten. But I, I'll go into that um, as you leave. Will yeah. thanks very much. By the way, unless you want to say something else. Uh. No, I guess the last thing that came to mind, actually, sorry, is... Uh, cool. you know, I'm happy for you to stay, but I know your time is... No, I do I do have to run. Uh, I think since we talked about like them not showing actual tennis points, maybe at the start of next season, uh, they can dive a little bit more into the scoring or the strategy um, in, in a kind of a compelling way, because... You're right. They missed a lot of the big matches at the U.S. Open, and if they could help the fan understand like how matches are won, offense versus defense, getting to the net, why serving is so important, in an interesting way, which you know they're TV producers. I'm sure they can find a way. I think it might open up more possibilities for them in later episodes. So, also, sorry, Will. I know you want to go, but also when it comes to what you've just said, you know. On match point, you know, what are you thinking? What are you doing? And are you are you you're probably taking it a bit more cautiously, funny enough, you know, whether you're facing yeah. it and whether you're, you know, why is it that sometimes we're watching, often actually I find myself watching a match and the longest rally of the match is in the fifth set. For, for some reason or another, go into that. You know, mm -hmm. you know there was an epic rally between Hatchinov and and Casper uh, Ruud at the U.S. Open semi-final last year, and and also this point about being millimeters away from greatness. You know, Francis mm -hmm. Tiafoe double faulted against Rafa Nadal, and they could have gone close up on that because I remember just how mm -hmm. close that was. And they just showed the double fault, and they went, "Oh, he's lost that set. Uh, it's one set all." But it was yeah. it was millimeters, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and every year. Every year, I can't think of many from this year, but I can remember some from other years. Every year, there's a match where there's a match point. I remember Rafa Nadal having a match point in Barcelona. Sorry, facing a match point in Barcelona in 2021. Gets a net cord, ends up winning the point. Half an hour later, lifts the title. Sometimes yeah. it's two hours later. 
You yeah. know, you yeah, which huge. is for me one of the beauties of, of tennis compared to probably any other sport on the planet is you are the the the, the match is about to end basically. And it could be centimeters, it could be millimeters, it could be a net cord, or it could be an in-out call. Mm-hmm. And then, and then three hours later, you've you've won or you've lost, and it's gone the other way. And yeah. you know, Medvedev Nadal, Australian Open twenty twenty two, didn't really get much airtime either, and that was just a sensational, historic tennis match for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, they can do a little bit more of that next season. But Indeed. anyways, I got to run, John. Thank Will, you. sorry for keeping you so long. Take care. Have a good no, day. No, you're good. Have a Cheers. good one. Bye. Bye. As I suggested, I will be staying a little bit longer uh, to talk about episode 10 and probably also just air one or two of my broader thoughts. Get me your thoughts in the live chat while you're still here to keep me company now that Will has gone. So, episode 10. And actually, it probably brings me to um, arguably the person I think comes across best of all the characters, of all the storylines, in, in this is how I see it, uh, at least, uh, she comes across in episode 10 and I'm like, what a really nice person. And uh, yeah, I have a lot of sympathy for her. And it's Arena Sabalenka. You, you, you see her and you see how she's reacting to how her year has been going. And also in terms of the, the some of the hate directed towards her, and how emotional she was, particularly at the French Open, I think, when things weren't going well for her. And, uh, you know, she's in tears and she's mentioning how, you know, everybody hates her. She also says, by the way, which is funny, she said, Iga's winning everything. It's so annoying. And it's just funny and human and real. You know, she's obviously tempted to go on social media, onto Instagram, and she's seeing, unfortunately, some of the vitriolic abuse that she has to receive. And, and it hurts her, and it hurts her as well, uh, various other things that were going on. And I think she comes across probably as the most genuine tennis player on the tour, at least through this Netflix uh, series, I would suggest. And that's not to take anything away from from Eager, but also Francis Tiafo. I think their stories uh, are pretty interesting too uh, and were really well highlighted in episode eight. Um, I do think that they probably... Uh, big up the end of year tour finals in the WTA and ATP a bit too much. I don't know whether that was necessarily worthy of an in- entire episode. And if they were trying to cut time, you know, because I mentioned so many things that they missed off from other episodes, I think that they could have done a little bit more, for example, on the last game of Serena Williams's career and a little bit more on the Novak scenario and a little bit more on, on Rafa in Australia. Because this brings me probably to my final point, and I will come to the live chat very quickly at the end before I close this. I wrote down some of the biggest storylines in tennis of 2022. Novak Djokovic in Australia and the whole situation with him being able to get in the country or not. Rafa Nadal beating Medvedev in that final and obviously lifting his 21st as it was Grand Slam at the time. Ash Barty's retirement. Uh, Igor Sviontek's uh, unbelievable run from February, you know, through to Wimbledon, pretty much. Um, Sinner Alcaraz, Alcaraz Djokovic as, as a couple of matches as well. Um, yeah, they were some of the, maybe there's others as well that I'm missing, but they were the sort of six or seven biggest storylines for me in tennis of 2022. 
did they do the Novak Djokovic uh, scenario justice? No. Did they give enough airtime to the Rafa Nadal Australian Open miracle in Melbourne? No. Did they barely mention Ash Barty's retirement? You know, one of the legends, I would argue, of the sport, having won uh, Grand Slams on the three different surfaces that we have, including her last one in Australia, her emotional retirement as well, saying that she just felt as though having won Wimbledon the year before, that she'd kind of completed tennis. No. Did they do Eager's run the justice it deserved when she did it? No. Um, did they do matches justice? such as Sinner Alcaraz or Djokovic Alcaraz? No. And I think that's probably the most damning indictment of the Netflix series so far. Thank you for stopping by. Make sure you hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe. And I will be chatting to you all again very, very soon. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.